What it is, what's up, got your podcast in the cut, the Telesis a Societal Podcast, and I am back with more, how would you say, fire poetry? Um, that title, I really got to figure that title one day. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if fire with PH is as interesting or likable a title as I thought it once was, but uh, until I figure out what I want to do with it, we're just going to let it rock. And speaking of Let It Rock, I'm going to roll on to some poetry that I find on the internet. I believe we are in double-digit poem episodes at this point. So if you are a long follower of this platform, then I think that you would know I've been doing this for a minute. And I know keeping it going, you know, I want to do more. Uh, I haven't gotten to poetry in a while, honestly, but... uh, I want to get back into, I've been writing, just not poetry per se. Try to get back to poetry, you know, it's a good outlet. Um, I generally am looking for my own poem to put on here, and I forgot the name of the app that I wrote my poetry upon. I, I think I'm an idiot. I really do. I really do think I'm an idiot. I don't know. I think I'm an idiot. Anyway, uh, the general format of this is I pick... Uh, a general poem that I found on the internet uh, from usually from the Poetry Foundation app, which is a great resource for poetry. Second, usually some shit I find for WordPress. Uh, I usually read this guy from this Frank Slanky person who puts out a good volume of uh, poems and usually they're very simplistic, so they're a good counterbalance to some of the more professional stuff you may see on the Poetry Foundation. And sometimes I'll put my own poems out there, you know, if I have something to write. And if not, we'll put something else out there. But I think I have something... It's not poem-esque, but it is writing, so hopefully you guys like it. We will transition to that now. I will lead off in my own stuff. Uh, this is free writing, not poetry. I've been more of on a kick of free writing because I'm trying to get into writing lyrics or songs, uh, mainly hip-hop rap songs, but I have written non-rap material before, so maybe I'll get into that too. So this, I think it's more it's meant to be more rhythmic and hip-hop in nature, so I don't know. Sometimes I write stuff and I don't actually hit the beat of my head. I just kind of go. But we will see. I want you to read this. It's called Evanescence. Here we go. We used to share tragedies related fucking horror stories, mores they had us abide by. Why lie? I liked breaking pretensions, blended images, faces full of offenses. And even if they banned you, my love is prohibition citric. Guitar licks of lame limericks. A lib shit that left first notice of politic. If it was me mentioning them. A vow of memories tapered prematurely, pissed you off so aptly. All bliss left unappreciated, like those old AMV vids. Type evanescence. You rock with the emo rap shit back to the present. Can I present these artifices back into a living presence? Sands the crescent stresses, fragments that wouldn't reimagine. What am I missing? Okay, that is my own writing. 
It's very uh, heartfelt. Very, uh... you know, this is saying something. Like, I know sometimes people write bars, lyrics, whatever, just to write them. You know, they don't really have a rhyme or reason per se in what they do. That there is actual writing in 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 the, the structure is what I put there. And it really is meant to convey a couple of different things that I've experienced with certain individuals' relationships, I should say. So one one part that I think might, you know, have... This is me opening the curtains a little bit, I guess, when you peek behind a little bit. So one segment of the... A lib shit that left first note as a politic, if it was me mentioning A vow of memories tapered prematurely pissed you off so aptly. So the idea here is that this is a person that is very, uh, I don't know, political in nature, a very strong opinionated, as many people in my generation and younger are. Uh, they do have a political opinion. It's usually very on the extreme. Uh, and then the idea is that me, the uh, narrator here, um, is so polarized in my opinions that just the topic being brought up of a political nature between these two individuals is so callous, striking, incendiary that the individual has gotten to a point, the uh, the partner in this instance, that they just immediately, fuck, I'm sorry. I was trying to chip off something off of my lamp and I had to reach over my desk and I messed up. I hope you guys did not have headphones in. Um, <laughs> because Shelly should not feel bad if you did. Um, I'm sorry. I really am. And the idea is that they just are not meant to discuss this topic. They're just so far apart, which for better or for worse, it's how societal society is moving to is being wildly far apart on such a subject. So that's the idea there. And the second couplet, a vow of memories taken prematurely pissed you off so aptly. This person, the narrator, uh, felt like there was more to be had between these two. And unfortunately, the amount of memories that they currently, that he currently has of their relationship uh, just feels a bit uh, incomplete, and that's kind of the basis behind the active nostalgic trip that he's going on, as well as uh, I don't know his guilt that he might be suffering uh, from during the uh, retelling of these members, uh, the tone of it certainly, and it pissed you off so aptly. The part about that. I think something that's being lost in his retelling of these is just how sometimes they just did not have a good uh, good working relationship with each other. And that might be lost in the way he's viewing the course of action. Uh, it's not meant to say that they, like, he was just completely wrong about his opinion of it being uh, good times versus the under individual in a relationship maybe having more of a, a negative uh feeling of how things went you know that's not the the idea here it's just that he's not remembering all the bad which every relationship has good and bad in it no matter what there's nothing that's just really good um the rest of this i mean i think it's pretty uh straightforward in my opinion 
the last couple of uh about the last five lines there can i present these artifices back into a living presence sands to crescent stresses fragments i wouldn't reimagine what am i missing it kind of circles back to what i was talking about uh so the person is looking to have these memories basically they're cracks uh, the puzzle pieces they're uh, fragments and he wants to put them back together and reform i guess really who this person is that he's depicting through his uh through his his mind his memories this individual may not be a real human being it may not certainly based on the way that this is structured this certainly is not one-to-one with the actual individual that was living so sans the crescent stresses the idea is that you would have all the good and none of the bad essentially once again so what am i missing there you go. That's really about it. Uh, it's nothing crazy. It's something that I'm not sure I could really rap to, per se. Like, it might be a good, I don't know, intro to something. And then you come into it with, I don't know, beat or something like that. Uh, but, but that was something I thought was that thorough. And I have nothing with it since. I wrote this, I believe, about two months ago now. So, this has been sitting around. Evanescence by me or anonymous, whatever one you believe it is. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Let's go to the next one. So this individual, Frank Selecki, is um, very odd. So I think I think is a good way to put it. Uh, he does long-form, more serious poems. He does almost juvenile and childlike poems other times. He's really just uh, a volume shooter. He's a Kobe Bryant. Uh, young Michael Jordan, so Westbrook. He just puts shots up, basically. The idea here is that he pretty much has uh, something for everybody, really, for a lot of different people. And I do thoroughly enjoy that um, someone would be willing to kind of not get typecasted, because, you know, with me or some stuff I write, I like to think that uh, some of the things I upload do not fit the general tone of my usual content. And I like to think that anybody who is willing to just say there is no usual content, everything on here is me. You know, they really do a good job. And he's uh, very successful as far as these type of blogs go, from what I can tell. I've never really looked at too many of my, uh, not only competitors, but I guess peers in this field, uh, see how their statistics look like. But he pretty much averages, I believe, about 40 to 50 uh bloggers or rebloggers likers whatever um activity i guess i should say and it appears he has twenty two thousand eight hundred seventy four other followers which is obviously some of those may not be active or whatever but that's pretty good retention slash activity i would say uh he's bringing in good people and he's actually getting comments as well which i think it's pretty easy to get like bot likes on this platform but to get comments and the volume he gets quite a bit of content uh comments it's very impressive uh so i'm just gonna be reading a couple of pretty much just really stanzas stanza length uh poems from this guy and uh, i'll let you decide you know kind of what's the value of this if you want to check them out uh first one is don't wake me up until the hatred's gone uh, don't wake me up till the hatred's gone let me sleep in my bed alone i'll be dreaming about a better world don't wake me up till the dreaming's done. Gone world, alone done. So 
and st- he does have some of these where I think the idea is that you were meant to say these words like they rhyme. Uh, certainly the premise is that they are similarly uh, on paper similar, but I don't like that sometimes he writes like it's just that problem. Sometimes he has things that appear as if they should rhyme or at least he intends for them to rhyme, but they don't in reality rhyme. You realistically cannot rhyme gone with alone or world with done or gone with world or alone with done. Um, it's just alone, done. I guess it's, you know, to reach no matter kind of which kind of combination we go with there. I I think I attack, not only attack, but I criticize his, his writing style a little bit more than I probably should. Uh, I do say that I will appreciate anybody who can like write simplistically, but also convey uh, a message in that succinct manner because he does an amazing job, uh, or at least a consistently good job of doing a four to like six to eight line work. And then you get the general message pretty quickly. And there's really no hangups in terms of the uh, message being conveyed, if I should say. And that's not as easy as you would think it is. You know, <laughs> it seems like that should be pretty easy. Like, okay, now we just write something that's completely comprehensible, for the most part comprehensible, in four bars. You know, like, especially if you say, okay, I want to be an interesting writer, you know. How do you kind of balance those two ideals? That's easy with his peers. What if all the mirrors lied? Another piece by Frank Solanke. Solanke. What if all the mirrors lied? If they had something to hide, then you are not what you see. Truth is on the other side. I'm going to read that again a little bit slower. What if all the mirrors lied? If they had something to hide, then you are not what you see. The truth is on the other side. So the idea here is that the mirrors are not presenting to you exactly what you actually are expecting to see. And that is hiding what you truly are. So to see what truly the real you is, you'd have to put the mirror over in a metaphorical sense, maybe the physical sense too. Again, it's a simply written piece. But the fact of the matter is, in a succinct manner, it's conveyed to you exactly what the author wanted to put out there. That's, I, I mean, that, that is remarkable. You really have to, you know, at least pat him on the back for that. And then, as you can see in the comments, which here's the value of having that type of uh, grouping that he has around him. He has a point to reflect off on. Because a lot of times you write this stuff and you're like, okay, well, how people are going to see this. And sometimes having that validation, or at least even if it's not someone who agrees with you, but just having someone else say something in response, that can help you yourself realize where A, where you maybe messed up in your telling of your desired narrative. B, can definitely help in uh, seeing what we write. Because a lot of times people, I think when it comes to art, or, you know, willing to give you some compliment, you know, if it's backhanded. Uh, so you can at least see what you got right. 
And it's just good to hear back from people. Like, you know, just discuss. Sometimes I just discuss the stuff you put out there. Not all creative figures like to do that. I like to I like to think about, you know. I like to hear what people think about something artistically inclined. And I like to, to talk to them. I love a conversation. And I think that Frank Solanke has achieved I'm not sure if he intentionally sought out uh, something that simple but uh, poignant that it would draw up conversation. Uh, I'm not sure if he's intending to just basically move numbers and have, you know, be impactful. Uh, I, you know, I don't know what his intentions are, to say at the very least, but I do know that the end result of how he writes and what he writes specifically has allowed for quite a bit of conversation and a very easy reading. I mean, four bars, anybody has four bars. Like, that's, four bars of poetry is essentially the equivalent of, like, a headline and a fairly descriptive caption on, like, an, a Facebook post. Everybody has a time for that, you know? A grabbing headline and a fairly descriptive one and two paragraph caption. People go through that in their sleep, you know? Unless they're really messed up, then they you know, to just completely done. But the point being, regardless of the content of it and the simplicity of it or not, I do think Frank Linky has done a commendable job of conveying his point, which is not always the easiest thing. I will tell you that. I'm going to move off from this and find something else and then we'll close out here. One moment. I thought I got a nap in me on a low. I was sleep at like, I think two, watching half of Dune, I think. Uh, and then I woke up at like eight or nine, something like that, nine or ten, something like that. And uh, I'm sleeping already, bro. This is not gonna be a great time. But if you're feeling low energy for my readings, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm sleepy. I don't know what to say. Um, so I went to the Poetry Foundation, their website, and then I just went to their poem today. I don't think I usually go much deeper than that, honestly. But maybe next time I'll try to maybe peruse a couple more options, but I saw the author's name. I was like, okay, this is pretty accredited author, does good stuff. We'll just go with it. Hope is a thing with feathers. Hope in quotations. It's a thing with feathers by Emily Dickinson. One of the notes of any John uh gender <laughs> gender uh when it comes to the writing. Hope in quotations is a thing with feathers that purchases the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard. And sore must be the storm that could bash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked of a crumb of me. I'm going to read that back. She does, she has like many hyphens here, so it's definitely meant to be read a certain way. I'm not sure if I'm in conveying it the right way, but hope is a thing with feathers. That purchasing the soul. It sings it to him but the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard, and storm must be the storm. That could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity has the crumb of me. Hey, uh, 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 I don't know what that noise was. I told you I'm tired. That's my built-in excuse whenever I just make stupid-ass noises. Emily Dickinson's 
hope is a thing with feathers. So the idea here, and I think you've seen this in many uh, works of art, if you, not really, I mean, just entertainment medias. If you watch Attack uh, on Titan, the most latest season, they use the bird and the winged animal specifically, because I think it had butterflies too at times, but the bird, uh, pretty much the freedom of flying above a maelstrom of war and death. Uh, that's what happens to Attack on Titan very often. And you literally see in the intro within the content of, I think it's the first opening scene of the season is Falco, name, for example, Falcon, of course, uh, Falco reaching up, looking at a bird, flying away, wishing that was him. Um, here's the thing here. I mean, it's just a quick, uh, I forget the word you use to describe this, but it's essentially a symbol of uh, something. And hope is being compared to a bird. The bird is a symbol. And it's a standard metaphor. You know, hope basically was within you. It goes, it goes, it goes, and it empowers you without asking anything of you, essentially. And she does a very great job. It makes you a leveled up version of Frank Frankie's writing style. Uh, no offense to Frank, but he's not exactly Emily Dickinson. Uh, the idea here is that in her extended metaphor, she successfully, without using very advanced language, has essentially built this bridge between these two notions. And it's even comprehensible. That's the big thing. And then B, it's, there's never a drop off in the connection, so to speak. Like, Burr and Hope, Storm, a lot of things that, that quench hope to some people. But does it completely quench hope? Or does it just diminish the flame of hope? Gales, think wind. Wind blows out your fire. I mean, she she commendably keeps us going, really. Uh, and the bird, you know, he always has a little bit in him. He always keeps on going. Uh, and she's heard the singing of the bird in land and sea. And no matter what, this bird has never, I guess, went to her for 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 food or for for sustenance for help, really, for help to do, to do his job. I could be definitely missing some some subtests here, because I'm I'm a bit reaching towards the uh, the last stanza there. I've heard until it's landed on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it has to crumb with me. I can understand what hope is here pretty easily, but the bird part of it, the bird part of the metaphor, you know, I get the, the first couplet again, you hear birds everywhere, yet never in extremity it has to crumb with me. I guess the crumb part is like where you feed a bird, you know, uh, mainly pigeons, for example, uh, crumbs. This bird, while it's always falling with her or with her in the general area of her, it's never needed her to feed it, essentially. So I guess the, the metaphor still does connect pretty well. I think that's probably the most abstract uh, and most uh, thought-provoking of this scenery that Emily Dickinson's kind of depicted here. But uh, all the right of me, she does an amazing job. I think it's a great poetry to end out on. Uh, shout out to Emily Dickinson, one of the ghosts, of course. 
And that's it. I mean, we're going to do more of these at some point. I've done these, I think, off and on for like a year and a half, maybe two years now. So we'll keep them going. Hopefully they happen more consistency. But, I mean, it is me after all. And you know how it goes, you know. What can I do? Have a great day. Peace.